Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to Unscrewed, the show that knows that real liberation includes sexual liberation. I am your host, Jacqueline Friedman, and welcome to another Spare Parts episode of Unscrewed, where we bring you a little of this, a little of that, and get you in and out in 15 minutes or less. How are you, Unscrewed Nation? Did you watch The Royal Wedding? I did, and I thought it was dreamy and subversive in equal measure and pretty much perfect. I know not everyone is into it, and that is also fine, but uh, if you are, I see you. That's what I'm trying to say. I got a lot of great feedback from last week's episode talking to Karen B.K. Chan about how to productively engage with men and masculinity. One of the messages I got stands out, which is a question I got from listener Jean Grey, who writes... I was listening to the last episode of Unscrewed and was really inspired by your insistence that survivors should not have to bear the burden of making any kind of emotional space for the folks who have harmed them. I wanted to reach out to you because I've been feeling a lot of social pressure to extinguish my anger. So many people around me want the status quo, the one in which certain abusive men get to act out their feelings on my body slash the bodies of other marginalized folks I love to return. They see me and my anger as disruptive to their sense of normalcy. I really admire how you allow your anger to breathe, to honor it by using it as fuel. I wonder if you have any advice on how to resist the social forces that push you to internalize it instead. Even after finishing my doctorate in clinical psychology slash years of healing as a survivor, I still struggle with allowing myself to stay in anger when I feel it instead of bending toward compassion. If you have some time and are willing to share, I'd love to hear more of how you stay in touch with anger. I think the first thing I want to say is like bend toward compassion with yourself. Your feelings are your feelings. Like one of the main violations of sexual violence is the removal of agency, the removal of sovereignty. And for me, claiming my right to feel whatever I'm feeling is about reclaiming on that sovereignty, insisting on that sovereignty. So for me, it feels really core, which isn't to say like, I don't tamp it down. I do that all the time. I mean, you hear and see like mostly public facing Jacqueline. And it's true that I over the years have carved out a place where I can feel 
fairly free to express my anger, but I don't feel like that all the time. And, and I want you to know that, like, don't compare your insides with my outsides. It's not a fair thing to do to yourself or to me, honestly. Like, I'll tell you a funny story. On my second date with my partner, we went to see the movie Bridesmaids. And I mostly loved it, but I had a couple of critiques of it, especially around the treatment of the Melissa McCarthy character. But I was just getting to know my my partner and I didn't want to be like that angry feminist right at the end of the date. And I literally, we got out of the movie and I was like, it was great. I loved it. And he was like, you know, I really mostly enjoyed it. But I also feel like sometimes Melissa McCarthy was the subject of the joke and sometimes she was the object of the joke. And I was like, oh, I like you. <laughs> what was part of it was because like I was instinctively censoring you know, probably milder than anger, but the same related emotion. So I don't want you to think that I don't struggle with expressing my anger, even though you hear me do it. I wonder if all of the people who are pressuring you to keep it together and not express your anger are people you need to have in your life. And that's not a question I can answer. That's only a question you can answer because I don't know what those relationships are, if they're optional, if those people are bringing other things to your life that you really value. You get to answer that question. But one thing I might suggest is like not investing in people who think that they get to dictate which of your feelings you express. Surrounding yourself with pals and what you, maybe you need to find that on the internet if you don't have that around you physically, but surrounding yourself with people who support and validate your expressions of anger, it's a great thing. So having a crew that backs you up, I think is really important. The other thing that I had to learn in therapy sort of over and over again is like, I would feel like if I started to express my anger, that I was was going to end up with me like fire starter style burning the whole world down. <laughs> like that there was not going to be any end to it. And that turned out not to be true. And, and it took a therapist basically being like, you have to trust and believe me. Like, do you trust and believe me? There will be another side. You will get to the other side of this feeling. Because when, when you have it all pent up for that long, I think that it can feel really scary to start expressing it because it feels like it's the only thing you'll ever feel ever again and you'll burn down every relationship you ever had and you'll be all alone and <laughs> an angel of death, right? And maybe that feels good, but my guess is that given your letter, it doesn't necessarily. And and I want, if you'll let me to be that person to say to you, like, it will never be the only thing you feel. The thing about anger that I think we all have to understand that, that doesn't get told to women is anger is actually a really hopeful emotion, right? Because anger is like basically expressing a belief that things can be better than they are along with a demand that we do something about it, right? It is it is actually a very action-oriented emotion and it's one of the most taboo things that a woman can feel or express. So the other thing to know is like you're not alone, 
<laughs> you're just you're not. Um, in fact, um, Soraya Shamali, who's been a guest on the show a number of times uh, and is a friend of mine, has an amazing book coming out in the fall called Rage Becomes Her, The Power of Women's Anger that I encourage you all to go pre-order like right now. We will definitely have her on the show when the book comes out. I have gotten because, you know, privileges of friendship to read it in advance. And it has convinced me so much of like how much more powerful and productive we would all be in the world if we just could express our anger freely and not spend all of our time and energy like tamping it down. So like, don't let people one way to think about it is like, don't let people rob your energy, right? They're asking you to do a bunch of emotional labor for them. So they'll feel more comfortable. And you don't have to do that. Like you do not have to do emotional labor just because somebody says they want you to. You don't. You can just say no. I hope that's helpful. I don't really know any real secrets. It's just trial and error and practice. But like try noticing a time when it happens and try on what it feels like to just decline the request to do that emotional labor and then try it again another time and see how that feels. And and I think you'll eventually build up the muscle. All right. So just as much as women's anger is a super taboo emotion culturally, so is pretty much everything but anger for men, as we discussed a little bit last week. But I have a clip of me talking with Karen B.K. Chan about that in greater detail that I couldn't fit in last week's show, but I can't resist sharing with you here. So that's why, you know, people don't call their hookups after. That's why there's no text exchanged. You know, there's such a fear of somebody saying, actually, thanks for checking in. I had a terrible time. Right. You know, um, so then instead people just like ghost and people just withdraw and well i think we also worse worse to each other masculinity says like you're not supposed to care whether or not right. your hookup had a good time or not so i think it's partially that fear but also that sort of like you're not supposed to have feelings or tenderness right like yeah at all yeah and then i think the truth is most people find themselves with tender feelings at some point of being human and um, then what, like the story you tell about that tender feeling, um, then really determines what happens, right? If you feel that tender feeling and you're like, oh, I'm such a tender person. Awesome. I'm going to act on this tender feeling. Then you get one outcome. If that tender feeling, uh, brings up feeling, uh, feelings of fear and, uh, threat, right? Like I can't be that person or something's wrong with me because everyone tells a different story about themselves, about himself. Um, then what the hell do you do with that tender feeling? You have to like stifle it and you have to be like, you have to live in somewhat fear of it or you have to joke about it and make it go away. Um, and then worse yet, if you've experienced actual abuse and violence, often those tender feelings are like intricately linked to, um, danger and hate, mm. and then you have to strike out. It is part and parcel to other things. Like in in sexual realms, this is the case. In business realms, this is the case, right? You are always to be, you know, you, you should be ruthless. You should try to take as much as you can, as much as you can, you, as you can get away with. Yeah. As little as possible. Capitalism. I mean, I have been known to be someone who says it is all capitalism's fault, although I'm a 
very active and um, I have a lot of fun with capitalism as well. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't mean it's not the thing that fucks everything up. We all contain multitudes. Yeah, there you have it. Scratch everything deep enough, you'll get to capitalism. <laughs> All right, lastly, another clip from last week's interview because I just, talking to Karen was so great and there was so much I wanted to share with you. Karen, after we talked about how they discovered feminism, asked me the same question and I thought it would be fun to share that with you too. Here is my answer. Where did you become a feminist? Oh, I mean, were you ever not a feminist, like very different from who you are now? And do you call yourself a feminist? I'm, I definitely call myself a feminist. I, I always just sort of had like a social justice orientation. I was always very empathetic. I found a book report from when I was in sixth grade where I wrote about how zoos were bad because they keep all the animals in cages. Like, yeah. it's just like always the kid I was. Yeah. Um, and, my rabbi in the temple that we happened to go to growing up just geographically was the first woman ordained in the modern era her name is sally prezand um and she's an absolute icon but i did not know that at the time um (laughs) that's awesome and so she was kind of my first feminist role model but i i don't remember her ever using the word feminism with me but i remember growing up and learning parts of her story and like how she had insisted even though all the men said no and you know like i i i grew up with her as an influence even not knowing mm-hmm. that that's what was happening and and judaism for me particularly the brand of reform judaism that i was raised with was a big part of just my sort of social justice orientation mm-hmm, the idea mm-hmm. of tikkun olam or you know my mm-hmm. obligation to help to repair the world mm-hmm. um and then i went to college and at wesleyan and like took women's studies and you know, met all the cool feminists and they started yeah. giving me things to read. And, you know, like I then I started to have like language and analysis and stuff like that. But it was no, it was not like a bright line. Although I do remember sitting in an auditorium on campus and listening to Jean Kilborn. Do you know who that is? Yeah. Yeah. So I she, mean, I only I've, I know the name. Yeah. So she's basically the mother of modern feminist media criticism and she focused on how women are portrayed in advertising and she traveled for years decades with this slideshow about like women's uses in selling shit capitalism right it was a capitalist critique actually um and i i actually remember sitting in that auditorium and like having a click moment and and never seeing the world quite the same again after that. And I've had the chance to meet with her and work with her a little bit um, and even be on a panel with her once or twice. And I've, I've told her that, like, if feminism was vampirism, she's my Lestat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I was pretty well primed for it. That's a great it. compliment. Yes, exactly. So she's like, yeah, she's definitely my origin story in that sense. But it was a lot of different influences plus mm-hmm. temperament. And there you have it. That's all we have time for this week. Make sure if you have advice questions that you want me to answer, send them on in. Send them to me at unscrewed at jacquelinefriedman.com. That is J-A-C-L-Y-N-F-R-I-E-D-M-A-N.com. Uh, you can also send in ideas for future guests and topics. You can also tweet at me, uh, which is where I got Jean's question, at Jacqueline F, J-A-C-L-Y-N-F. 
You can follow me on Instagram, Jacqueline Effable, and you can find out everything I'm up to and recent writing and all that kind of stuff and information about how to bring me to your community at JacquelineFriedman.com. You can find Unscrewed the Podcast wherever fun podcasts are available. Apple Podcasts, Acast, Stitcher. While you're in there, make sure you're subscribed. And also, you know what to do. Give us five stars and a little review to help people find the show. Unscrewed is produced and edited by yours truly, Jacqueline Friedman. Our in and out music is by The Pink Tiles. And our cover art is by Nicole Dodonna and was developed in collaboration with the establishment who also developed the sound cues. Until next week, I'm wishing you safe and happy sex lives. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.